0: Welcome to mini episode 60 of Real Life Ghost Stories.
1: How you do.
0: Before we start today's stories, I just want to let you know that the last story in today's episode is from the 25th of May 2020. But also a massive, huge thank you to everybody who has ordered pin badges. I mean, the post office aren't thanking you. (laughs) because they have been sick of the sight of me this week but thank you to everybody who ordered it's just been a dream I mean it's been a busy dream but it's been a dream if you are still waiting to order there are very few pins left so we'll get them restocked eventually but just so you know thank you to everybody everybody's pins have been posted away so they're all winging their way to you in different various parts of the world so thank you and are you ready for some spooky stories today
1: nope never ready
0: I think we've got five, but I don't actually remember. (laughs) (laughs) And story number one comes from Katie. This is an email that I wrote to my boyfriend Andy on Monday, February the 11th, 2019 at 10.18am. He has since moved in with me and I haven't experienced anything paranormal since. Except that he and I both sometimes smell phantom smoke hey okay so last night sucked and i experienced something last week too and i just need to tell you about everything first of all last week i don't remember what day it was i was really anxious one night and i kept thinking that i smelled smoke and i was rushing around the house sniffing everything and checking all the burners on the stove and i even stuck my head out into the hallway convinced that the neighbors were like burning the house down but there was no smoke anywhere but the smell was so strong So anyways, I went to bed and I was really anxious, but I just watched Parks and Rec and fell asleep. Then, in the middle of the night, I woke up to the shrieking of the smoke alarm in the hallway outside my door. I didn't smell any smoke anymore, but it was so loud and the dog was freaking out and I kept fucking with it and it wouldn't turn off or it would stay off for like five seconds and then start up again. Eventually I just took it off the wall and took the batteries out and went back to bed. But it freaked me out because I'd smelled smoke earlier in the night. So at the time I'm half concerned that something is literally on fire. But I'd gone to bed at like 10.30 and it was 1.30 when the smoke alarm went off. Which kind of leads me into my story of what happened last night. Oh, I'm so freaked out. I'm pretty certain that there's a spirit in this house and it keeps waking me up at the same time in the middle of the night. You know that I never really give that kind of stuff much thought because I've always lived alone and I just try not to think about ghosts but this is actually really, really spooky. You know my tiny alarm clock that I keep in the drawer because the ticking is so loud. It is battery operated and it has a little knob on the back that you have to twist to set it. It's an old school clock, not digital. The alarm is set for 6.05am because that is when I get up for work. So it went off this morning. And I felt like I'd only just gone to sleep. But I was like, oh, well, that sucks. I guess it's time to get up. Then I heard the neighbours upstairs talking. And I thought, why would they be awake at six o'clock in the morning? So I looked at my phone and my phone said it was 1.29. When I looked at my tiny alarm clock, it said that it was 6.05. So I was all disoriented and got up and went to the living room to get my laptop so I could verify the time. On my way to the living room, I noticed that the microwave said 1.29. The thing is, I still haven't set the clock on the microwave. But you were there all weekend, so I figured you must have set it. I went and got my laptop, verified that it was, in fact, about 1.35 by this time, so I went back to bed. I had to reset my little clock, though, to the correct time. Which I thought was super weird, because you have to twist the little thing to set it. Who would have reset the clock? The last time I used it was Friday morning, super weird. 1.29 and 6.05 are basically opposite on a regular clock. But how would that have gotten changed? The alarm hand was set in the same position as always. It's like the minute hand and the hour hand got switched somehow. But here's the kicker. When I got up this morning, the microwave still said 1.29. And I realised that was never set to the time. There just happened to be 1 minute and 29 seconds left, like someone took their food out early. I assume after you were heating up your food the other day. I didn't use the microwave this weekend, so it wasn't for me. Who would even leave a minute and 29 seconds on a microwave? I hope you can clarify that for me. How much of a coincidence is that my alarm clock has to be manually set and is battery operated, went off and woke me up at one twenty-nine am and then the microwave in the kitchen says one twenty-nine. It's spooky and it's weird, and I think something keeps waking me up, and I don't know why. Did something happen in the house at 1.29? Is something going to happen to me at one twenty-nine someday? I'm freaked out. Let me know what you think. Keep in mind that even if the smoke alarm and microwave are coincidences, the alarm clock thing is really weird. How could it have gotten reset?
1: Katie, I'm really sorry, but I have to say... I am one of those people that would stop the microwave for one minute twenty nine seconds left on it.
0: I'm also one of those people who would stop the microwave at one minute twenty nine seconds. It's we live in a, a chaotic household. It's wild. <laughs> there are no rules.
1: <laughs> but having said that, how creepy coincidence is it that you just happen to be downstairs at one twenty nine in the morning and then thinking it was it had been set as the time?
0: Isn't there a whole thing about synchronicities in life? As in Synchronicities meaning something not just being bizarre coincidences because a coincidence is one thing. I know I'm nearly sure there was a Jim Harrell's campfire episode that was purely dedicated to synchronicities, and I haven't listened to it, but I remember seeing people being like this episode blew my mind. We assume that an other an other worldly person, like a ghost or a spirit will communicate with us in a way that we expect, like banging and knocking and maybe a ghostly noise or a visitor in the middle of the night. Maybe they don't. Maybe synchronicities and weird things like the times matching up are another way to communicate.
1: My question is, though, did something change the time on a clock so that the alarm went off?
0: Potentially, yeah. I mean, it's that is very annoying behaviour. Yes,
1: yeah, attention-seeking behaviour, isn't it?
0: Yes, it is, and also very annoying behaviour.
1: Yeah. So I am a bit, I feel sorry for you that you got woken up earlier than you needed to.
0: Second story in a while as well that we've had fire alarm ghosts. Yeah. Mm, That's becoming a, a, I mean, twice does not mean it's becoming a thing, but it is the second story in in recent times that we've had fire alarms.
1: Maybe on the site of that house, a hundred years beforehand. 129 years. 129 years beforehand. It burnt down at 129 in the morning.
0: Imagine if she found out that was actually true
1: that would be crazy
0: that would be crazy and your kind of mad ramblings and jumping to conclusions was actually the most logical explanation the whole time i don't
1: think it was 129 years ago though i feel like that's i feel like that's a step too far that wasn't where i was going with it
0: oh sorry that's the step too yeah. far in all of this that's okay okay and yeah. i and i would like to commend you as well on your well-written email to your boyfriend like people need to have a look at the text messages that we send each other because well actually i'd rather <laughs> they didn't because they're just they're just nonsense just absolute nonsense most of the time and story number two comes from Haley. For as long as I can remember, I've had extremely odd happenings. When I was a toddler, I spent a lot of time at my grandfather's house. My father lived there, and my mother would have me opposite weekends. I had my own room in the house, and it was a Barbie dream room. Swarovski crystal figurines and teddy bears galore. I felt safe there. But when the lights turned off at night, it was a different story. I was always scared shitless with no lighting. I heard movement in the night and just closed my eyes as hard as I could and fell back asleep. But as the light came back and I was able to go back outside, I set out to the swings in the yard. I would stay out there for hours, playing by myself so it seemed. But when I would walk back inside, my grandfather and dad would always ask me who I was talking to. I would tell them that the older lady that lived in the yard next to us. They downplayed it. And I had no idea that the lady had died years before. This house always gave me an incredibly dark feeling. I hated this house. I felt like I was always being watched and something dark was looming, something bad was about to happen. As a teenager I visited very little, just to see my dad and my grandfather every so often. They both had an alcohol addiction. When I was 17, my dad hung himself from the tree right outside my old bedroom window at my grandfather's house. I went there after the fact to visit my grandfather and collect my dad's belongings and check up on him. It was extremely unsettling. It felt like this was coming my entire childhood. It was like an impending doom I could never put my finger on. My mother told me as a child I would sleepwalk in this house, but I wasn't walking. I would be ballroom dancing with someone that wasn't there. It freaked her out so much that she made one of her friends come over just to witness it. He refused to come back to the house after that. Obviously, I have no recollection of it. My grandfather passed away alone in the house six years after my father died. Now some new family lives there. Sometimes I drive by just to see what it looks like and wonder if they have any strange encounters with my father or my grandfather's spirits. I really want to ask, but I know it sounds insane, but I can't help but wonder if that house is still as cursed as it was for my family. Before we get into any commentary about this, I am so sorry, Haley. I mean, how awful is that? It's just really sad, and I'm sorry, and it's just awful. Um, But yeah, before we say anything else about that story...
1: I... Have never heard of someone sleepwalking and ballroom dancing. I would be so weirded out if I'd seen that.
0: It's a very strange thing. And from a small child, if it was an older person, maybe it would feel more acceptable, or maybe it would feel, it would still be weird. Like, of course, it would be weird. But you'd think, are they reliving a moment? Have they, you know, did they learn how to ballroom dance at some point? But a child doing it. Oh, it is a weird. Yes, I can understand. Very strange. I can understand your man being like, "Can somebody else come and witness this? Because this is weird."
1: I also cannot deal with the fact that Haley was speaking to an old lady that was dead. That is so creepy.
0: Kudos to your dad and your granddad for yeah. just going, "Oh, we're just going to pretend this isn't happening because <laughs> yeah. we don't want to freak anybody out here." Because that is a very brave thing to do.
1: I was when I was listening to the story. I was just like, "Nope, nope, no, 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 no. Can't. I can't handle that. It's just." You can imagine, can't you, just Hayley just being being very matter of fact about it because to her, there was a lady next door that was talking to her.
0: Of course, yeah. When you're a child, you just accept these things. Oh
1: man, that's too much.
0: I have to say, I think I would go back and ask, to be honest. I mean, you don't know those people and the worst thing that can happen is they'll think you're weird. And is if that's the worst thing that can happen and that's the worst thing that can happen and you could just be like oh I used to live here and you know weird things would happen and I just wanted to see if it was you know if it was just us when we were kids if it was our imagination or if, if you've experienced anything and then it might open up a conversation because I think you'd be surprised how many people are willing to have that conversation. I wanted to share my own experience from about 10 weeks ago at the start of the COVID pandemic, as it raises more questions than I can answer. It was the Monday evening, and I had decided with my wife that my son's temperature was enough to satisfy the criteria for self-isolation, and I had made arrangements with work to take the next couple of weeks off. It was about 22.30, and we had just decided to go to bed as my wife had checked my temperature and discovered that I had a fever, She had left the conservatory and gone inside, and I had finished my spliff and was going to join her, when I realised that I still had a lighter in my hand, so I turned and tossed it onto the table behind me, but it landed in the ashtray on top of the smouldering stub. I walked to it, and picked it out, but as I did so it slipped out of my fingers in a very awkward way and cartwheeled back into the ashtray exactly where I had picked it up from. It seemed so unnatural. Confused, I picked it out again between my thumb and my index finger, and as I was going to drop it beside the ashtray, I fumbled it and it somehow ended up exactly where I had gotten it from, so I tipped it out onto the table and tried to think nothing more about it. I then went upstairs to get myself ready for bed, and once I had completed my ablutions, I sat down on the side of my bed and fluffed the duvet, shaking it hard from the corners to get it square. And that's when I noticed that I had let it settle on something at the foot of the bed. Whatever it was, it was small and round and reminded me of my dog Hannibal. When I touched it, I realised that it was indeed solid and warm and I was a little shocked because it was too small to be my toy terrier. As I drew the cover back off it, I discovered that there was nothing there. I immediately convinced myself that I was imagining things due to my fever but I still felt a little guilty for disturbing whatever it was and promptly threw the duvet back to the bottom of the bed. And I shit you not, it landed back on the solid object that I had previously revealed to be absent. This in itself was baffling to me, but what happened next blew my mind. I immediately became aware of the temperature of the air against my skin and the temperature had dropped so fast and so much that it felt like the air in the room stopped moving altogether. And that was when I noticed it. I have never felt anything like this before. And the only way I can describe it is the feeling that there is another intellect or life force present, but completely unseen. As if you had just watched another person sit down in front of you and pull a screen between you so that you could no longer see them, but you're totally aware that they're still there. And I don't know how long I sat there confused and worried as it was such an alien feeling but I somehow knew that it was malevolent. The only thing I could think to do was call out loud that this was my house and who or whatever it was no longer had any type of claim to it. And as I finished my sentence, I could feel it recoil back to wherever it had come from. I felt the warmth of the air on my skin. And at that moment, a lighter dropped from above onto the bed directly in my line of sight. For me, this was the moment that I imagined the experience had ended, and thoughts like, if that was all in my feverish mind, how did I know, subconsciously, when the lighter, that I must have tossed up onto the lampshade hanging from the ceiling when I fluffed the duvet, was going to topple down onto the bed? But my wife saved me from overthinking it by suggesting that if the preceding experience was a fabrication of my brain, why couldn't I have imagined the lighter falling at the moment the entity withdrew as well? And why couldn't it have been there the whole time?
1: I appreciate Ian for his logical and rational thinking around this situation because I'm envious of the fact that someone can have that rationality and logical thinking in these situations because I don't. And if, you know, uh, there was a, a a ghost creature under my duvet, that would probably be the end of the duvet in the house as I set fire to it all.
0: The thing is, right, and in in his the opening of Ian's email, he did say that he was like a sceptic, skept, a but like a curious sceptic. Do you know what I mean? That he, he liked ghost stories, but also was very aware that most of them can be debunked. Like you say, he takes the logical approach. If it had just been a case where he had misplaced the lighter and flicked it up onto the lampshade, which is very, very improbable. I know that, that, like, you're looking for the rational explanation. That doesn't explain the feeling that went with it. That feeling of, oh, dear God, something is here that is not good. That's the bit about this story that I think is really strange.
1: And this is me trying to compete with Ian's rationality because I don't have any, but I feel like I need to be rational in this situation. There is an element to having a higher temperature that can cause you to hallucinate, so I also get that as well. But for me, there's something under your duvet, like it's there, and then when you drop, put it back down again, it retakes the form. But like, What is that? Is it a ghost dog? Is it a ghost cat?
0: Do you not think the lighter is the weirder part of this story? Because I do. As in the lighter from the beginning, where it kept landing in the same place, which could be like a weird one in a million coincidence, but then the lighter being the end of the story too. It's like the lighter was the precursor. The lighter was like a warning to say something's happening. I don't know. I just find the whole thing very strange.
1: I feel like I would look to rationalise any kind of activity that might be poltergeist because otherwise it's accepting it's a poltergeist and that would scare me. So the poltergeist would actually have to launch something at my face, I think, for me to go, oh, that must be a poltergeist, because otherwise I'd just believe it was a poltergeist, but convince myself that it was something else. So the light I'm not hung up on the lighter. I'm hung up with the thing in the bed because I want to know what the thing in the bed was. What is the thing in the bed? The light might have been on the lampshade, but what is the thing in the bed?
0: Uh, I'm going to say the thing in the bed is a ghost dog because that makes it sound way nicer, right? And definitely not a sinister.
1: What about a ghost polecat?
0: Much more imp- improbable. Well, is it more improbable it? if we're talking how, about yeah. ghosts? I don't know. I don't know how much more improbable
1: it might be. It was a, definitely a cool story and I was going, whoa.
0: That's a, that's such a Dan story. Dan loves stories like that where there's like just weird events that seem to be so mundane but are also so inexplicable. That's such a Dan story. And story number four comes from Brandy. When I was 14 years old, my mother, four sisters and I moved into a three-bedroom ranch-style house on a quiet little corner in an Ohio subdivision. This house was perfect for us. Plenty of space for us to run in the yard and a massive living room for our movie nights. Things were looking up for my family. My youngest sister had fallen ill with cancer and we were in a bad place. The first night we stayed in the house, my youngest sister, B slept in my mom's bed with her. She woke my mom up screaming about a man in the hallway. My mother's room was at the very end of the hall and if you opened her door you could see straight to the other side of the house. My mom tried to calm her down and said it was just a nightmare but my sister insisted my mom get up and look. She kept screaming, he is knocking the pictures off the wall. My mom finally got her back to sleep but she was burrowed deep into my mother's side. For some reason, my mother decided not to go and look. When she got up the next morning, my mom walked into the hallway and noticed the picture of all of us children, before B was born, was laying on the floor, the nails still in the wall undisturbed. She thought it was strange, but just choked it up to an overactive imagination. As time went on, we noticed little movements of things in the house, like keys being misplaced, remotes just disappearing, and then showing back up in the most obvious of places. But there were six of us in the house, so we didn't think much of it. A few months into our new home, we started hearing footsteps in the kitchen across the ceramic tile floor, but we just chose not to pay it any mind. Then things started to escalate. My mother was in the shower one day while we were all off to school. And when we got home, we noticed that she was visibly upset. I asked her what was wrong. And she pulled me and my eldest sister into her room and told us that while she was showering, the curtain came at her with such force that she thought somebody had broken in and tried to punch her through the curtain. She scrambled out of the shower and waited on the couch until we had gotten home so she could finish washing her hair in the sink. My mom is very logical when it comes to paranormal things but this house was too strange to ignore. We started noticing things pick up from there. I was sitting in the living room watching TV when my family was outside and a glass topper to our tube aquarium flew across the kitchen and shattered on the floor about 8 feet away from where the aquarium sat. Obviously, I got up to investigate but no one was around. I went outside and everyone was in the garage. I told my mom, and she quickly went inside to clean it up but told me not to mention it to my sisters. My mom ended up moving out of her room and into the dining room next to the kitchen. She made it into a bedroom for herself, and then she moved my sister Mo in her old room because it made her feel anxious being in there. Soon after my sister moved into the room, things got more interesting. Her TV would turn off and on at all hours of the night. We checked to see if there was a sleep timer automatically set for the TV, but there wasn't. We ended up unplugging it and not even using it, but that didn't stop it from turning on while we were all having dinner one night. Mo had a best friend who would practically never leave her side, but after being at the house a couple of nights, she started going back to her grandmother's home down the road as soon as the sun would go down. She said the house scared her and made her uncomfortable. She agreed to stay the night once and made my sister leave her lamp on. They set up two trifold boards, like for school projects, and put a light sheet over it so it wasn't too bright. When they woke up in the morning, my sister's friend told Mo she didn't appreciate her turning off the light last night, but Mo told her she didn't touch it, and the boards and the sheet were undisturbed, and the switch was still in the on position. It never did this before, and she tested the light to make sure it still worked, thinking maybe the bulb had burned out, but it was still working. I would wake up at the same time every night for weeks at a time, I had a stereo that I would keep on while I slept, and it played the same song every time I woke up. I'm not sure if it had anything to do with the ghost, but it was still strange. We had so many encounters with the paranormal entity that even the neighbours were wary of being in our house at night. I spoke to my pastor and his wife about the paranormal experiences we were having, and they told me that spirits are very much real and that we needed to be careful. When we finally moved out of this house, we were gathering the last of our belongings and my sister was climbing in a window. We had to wedge the door closed due to our landlord's coming and going without our knowledge. She felt something grab her. Not just a little touch, like something actually grabbed her. She was so freaked out she jumped out the window into the hedges in a panic, sobbing. We never went back in after that. Soon after we moved out, a family moved in and shared some strange things that had happened to them. We never told them what we had experienced. Too afraid to be thought of as crazy or delusional. I won't speak on their accounts because it is not my story to tell. But something about that house was very sinister.
1: The shower curtain incident is very disturbing to me. I... I'm very grateful that we are in a house that has a glass door and not a shower curtain. Um, not the house doesn't have a glass door. The shower has a glass door. Although the house does kind of have a glass I don't. Oh.
0: You're going off track. You're going anyway, off track. Rain it back in. We
1: don't have a shower curtain, basically. But, and I'm glad because there is something quite disturbing about the shower curtain because it, it makes you, the space that you're in quite tight and you're quite unseen. And if you've ever seen Psycho, you've got that image going in your head as well.
0: It's one of the most disturbing descriptions of an encounter that we've had in, in a long time, I think. i It's, it's just so violent. Mm. It just feels so violent. And it feels like... So in the Enfield poltergeist, I think, there was a really famous moment where Janet claimed the curtains wrapped themselves around her neck. And she was found with the curtains wrapped around her neck. So, like, there have been, you know, situations before where people have had experiences like that. And I just... I can just see her ma'am just sitting in the sitting room waiting for them to come home because you'd be like you'd you'd be so terrified if that happened to you.
1: And the thing is, if it had connected, and she just slipped and hit her head and died, they just just would have been falling over in the shower, wouldn't it? So you wouldn't like be none the wiser. It's like yeah, a nobody's going
0: to come in and go, did she fall or was it a
1: ghost? <laughs> I would. <laughs> Dan would, but this is why
0: he's not a an inspector
1: yet. Um, but there's so much activity in this house, just lots of. Attention-seeking, but also, like you said, quite violent with the shower and the grabbing. That's You're very being violent action. Ramped through the window. That's yeah. so frightening. It's very, very aggressive energy. Um, I'm still intrigued as to how the light got turned off when it was still on, as well. That's quite dealing with energy fields and stuff, isn't
0: it? It is, but I would always. I I don't know. I think the skeptical part of me would be like, I would just convince myself it was an electrical fault or whatever, and then I just. But but any of the physical stuff like being grabbed or or the shower curtain would traumatise me.
1: And the tube flying across the room.
0: It would also. I'd be I'd be like, oh, it must have been the wind, because I'd just try and convince myself that it was that it wasn't anything scary. <laughs>
1: and I'd be sobbing in the corner. <laughs> yeah, you would. You would.
0: <laughs> and story number five comes from Belinda. My granny died in December of two thousand and sixteen. I loved her so much and we had a bond that she didn't have with her other grandchildren. We just clicked and we were best mates from day dot. I was a sick kid as I have a genetic disorder so a large part of my childhood was spent in hospital or going to outpatient clinics. She would come to my hospital appointments, hold my hand going into surgery and keep me calm during eye procedures make being tube fed feel okay and always make sure i got to see the bear mural in the children's hospital that i was always in i loved that bear mural and i was heartbroken when the hospital was moved to a new state of the art building across the city granny was a very artistic person and she embroidered me an exact copy of the mural for my own wall when i wasn't with her i sometimes got really upset my dad isn't a very good father My mum fell into a depression after my youngest brother passed away and was often vacant, though she did try her best. My granny was the one stable person for me as I had no other living grandparents. She told me to look for the birds, especially magpies and willy wagtails, which were her favourite, and to tell them what I wanted to say to her and they would send the message along. She'd pretend they'd come and told her what I'd said to them. I was only six or seven so I believed in it like other kids believe in fairies. As she got older she got dementia. And she was still the funniest, cleverest person I knew but she was getting lost in the fog. She always knew who I was, even when she forgot her own children. I always managed to find the granny I knew in there, if only in fleeting moments. She still loved to feed the magpies and watch the many birds that would come to her garden right up until the day she died. I hoped so badly that she would live long enough to come to my wedding, but she missed out on it by six months, and I was devastated. I had a little photo of her attached to my bouquet so she would be with me. As I walked down the aisle, I looked to the fence behind the groomsmen. We got married outdoors, and I saw a willy wagtail perch there, wiggling away happily. I burst into tears at the whole thing, it was just too perfect. In late 2017, I got much, much sicker very quickly, so much that I had to quit work and accept my disability was degenerating faster and worse than anyone anticipated. Whenever I'm in the worst pain or having a terrible time with other symptoms, we get a very noisy, very persistent magpie show up at our front door. She will carry on until someone goes out and feeds her. It may be confirmation bias, but I totally believe that Granny is sending that bird to remind me that she's still watching. I often see willy-wagtails during hard times, and weirdly frequently after particularly painful or awful appointments or procedures. I also dream about her just talking to me on the bad nights. I've even asked her during times I've been particularly desperate to please send me a sign that she's here. And sure enough, a willy-wagtail arrives. Whenever I see a willy-wagtail now, I quietly say hi to Granny. I can't 100% say that it's paranormal, but I believe at least some of it is. I've seen a fair few ghosts over the years. Some scary, but most have been fine. I think I'm just fairly open to that kind of thing, and it usually happens when I least expect it. One night, I was laying in bed wishing I could sleep, but I was well and truly awake. I heard a gruff old man with a very strong Australian accent say hello, as if he was trying to talk to somebody on the phone who wasn't responding. It sounded like he was right in my ear. I'm partially deaf, so I couldn't have heard someone outside. He had to have been in the room with me for me to hear him so clearly. I got up and checked the house, and there was definitely no old man there. I was so sure the voice was paranormal, I even texted my mum to check on my great-uncle. It was the voice of the type of old bloke who spent his life in the mines or on the railways, then up at the pub, enjoying an ice-cold VB. My great-uncle was just fine, so I went on with life. A few days later, my housemate got a call to say his granddad had been found dead in his home. He died suddenly, alone, three nights earlier, the night I'd heard the man's voice. No one had found him until the neighbours went to check on him after a few days of not seeing him around. My housemate played a voicemail his granddad had left him just to show us what a character he was, and I was floored. It was the voice that I had heard, and I think he had come looking for my housemate to say goodbye, but got me instead. I never did tell my housemate. It wouldn't be something that he was comfortable with.
1: If ever... there were any species of birds that would be messengers and I'm not talking about carrying messages because obviously we know about pigeons but you know giving messages wagtails and magpies would be up there on my choices I think they just seem like birds that have got something to say
0: yeah they're a bit wily and a bit chatty aren't they yeah And they're kind of a bit, they are a bit in your face. So I I would use them too. I wouldn't be surprised. We just had a conversation about how you didn't know them as willy wagtails. I always refer to them as willy wagtails and have done growing up. So when I read that story, I didn't see anything strange about it. But willy wagtails are just little birds. So I don't know. I can't believe you never called them that.
1: I can tell you what I didn't call them that because I am a bird geek, aren't I? So I know the difference between the various types of wagtails. And so they weren't willy wagtail as they were pied wagtail or yellow wagtail
0: you're just a big bird nerd that's what it is yes i love stories like this i just i think whatever your belief system is whether you believe in it or not if it brings you comfort that's what's really important and i think it's really lovely to think that it can bring you comfort
1: i think there's a lot of value to these kind of things about animals appearing when you need to see them but when they appear like every time you need to see them, like in Belinda's story, that's pretty incredible. I think literally at every moment. So at the wedding, when she's feeling, when she's having a struggling with her illness, they're all over the place. Imagine that one magpie that talks to him until they until it gets fed.
0: I I resonate with that magpie. I can I can feel that magpie's energy. I love it. I just think it, it like it's just such a beautiful story. And I'm sure there's loads of people listening that will find comfort in it or that will, you know, see a reflection of their own story in it. And I just think if it brings you happiness and brings you peace and makes you feel like your grandmother is still there, then that's then if that's what you need, that's what you need.
1: On the second part of the story, I don't know what you would say to your housemate. Like, when you were reading it, I was just thinking to myself, I don't, I don't know what I'd say. How do you... Conf- like how do you say yeah actually
0: <laughs> i think he came to see me or not came to see me but i think he came to see you and couldn't find you like yeah because when i when i first read that story i was like oh god because i wouldn't tell them either i just wouldn't have said anything i think i just would have accepted that it was something that happened and then moved on because i you also don't know how people are going to deal with that
1: yeah absolutely
0: whereas if it was you I'd tell you because I know how you would deal with it. You'd freak out, but you'd still, you wouldn't be like upset about it in that kind of way. But I, you know, other people, you just don't know how they're going to deal with it. And story number six comes from Scott. On a Sunday in 1986, my mum, dad, older brother and I settled down to a steak dinner in our little council house. I was 11 at the time. I finished eating before everyone else and went into the living room to read, play, draw or something. The TV was on in the background and a news report started saying Hampton Court Palace in London was on fire. I watched it as my mum loved old stately homes and royal houses and I planned to tell her afterwards. The report ended and my brother came into the living room and then my dad a few minutes later I went into the kitchen to see my mum to find her tidying away the plates and cutlery. It said on the news that Hampton Court Palace was on fire, I said. My mum ignored me, which was really unlike her. It doesn't look good. There are fire engines there now, but they can't control it, I said, trying to summarise the report. Again, mum ignored me and went on cleaning and tidying as though I wasn't there. It annoyed me and I left. The next morning, my mum woke me up and I went downstairs with her to have breakfast. As we walked, she said, Do you know Hampton Court Palace in London? It's on fire. I know, I said, annoyed. I told you yesterday, but you ignored me. Yesterday? When? she asked, and I explained. You couldn't have told me yesterday. It said on the news this fire started early this morning, my mum said. I went into the living room and watched the news with her. And sure enough, it did say that the fire only started that morning. I researched a little before sending you this story. And several articles online agree that the fire only started on Monday morning. The news story I saw on the Sunday was just a normal BBC news report with a stuffy guy in a suit talking to the camera. There had been a small photograph of Hampton Court Palace in flames, superimposed behind his right shoulder as he spoke. There was nothing supernatural about it, it was just a standard news report, but hours before it could have actually been shown. My mum had no recollection of me trying to tell her about the fire on the Sunday when I felt she ignored me, and I still have no idea how or why this happened."
1: What is that even about? Like, I I don't understand. Did Scott see a news report that he shouldn't have seen, <laughs> or was he in some kind of time slip, or did the TV go into a time slip? Or I don't I don't. That's bizarre, isn't it?
0: Because you'd think it's like you know the Mandela effect, where lots of people remember things differently, or misremember things, or remember things that didn't happen. If it was a Mandela effect type thing, then it wouldn't just be him. But if it was an accidental news report that was released sooner than it should have been, then loads of people would have seen yeah, it. That's it wouldn't point, just actually. be him. So what did he go forward in time, and is that why his mum didn't listen when his mom, when he told his mum about the fire that she just ignored him? But she didn't ignore him because she, he wasn't he there. wasn't there. Oh
1: my gosh, he wasn't even there. No, he wasn't there because oh. he was
0: in the future.
1: Oh yeah, I think that's the I think that's the answer. You've sold science.
0: I've solved science, well Scott. Well done. It's such a weird story, though, It's very isn't it? strange.
1: Very, very strange. Because it's not just him remembering the story, it's him remembering him telling his mum and the reaction that his mum had.
0: Yeah, which would be annoying if you're trying to tell your mum something and she's just ignoring you.
1: No, I mean, after. So the mum was oh, like, oh, right. yeah, that's imp- but that's impossible because it hadn't started. So how could you tell me yesterday?
0: Oh, that's so you know, weird. Like, oh,
1: where did you go, Scott?
0: Because we all have those moments where somebody will mention a celebrity and you go... Is that person not dead? Because you're convinced that they've died at some point, you know, in the in the past. And then you find out that they're actually very much still alive. And uh, you, you everybody has those moments and you go, God, I could have swore they died. But you just get on with it. But this is one that has stuck with him because it's so strange. I feel like he's stepped forward into time somehow.
1: Yeah, because it's in his house as well. I don't know.
0: That, if anybody could see Dan's brain right, or Dan's <laughs> face right now, you can actually see his brain working in his face. It's incredible.
1: If you turn the volume up really loud, you might have been able to hear it as well.
0: <laughs> and if you enjoyed today's episode, you can find everything you need to know about us on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. You can submit your own story to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can support us on Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content. And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bye.
1: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.